Uh, obviously, this year, 2023, that 100% bonus depreciation goes down to 80%. Next year, it's down to 60%. So um, the the sooner you get in, the, the better. Because the great thing about depreciation is that if you can't use it all in the year that you have it, it carries forward uh, indefinitely until it's all used up. So uh, I've been encouraging people to you know invest now this year at the 80% just to get that additional depreciation, have it available in case you need it next year or the year after, um, just to, to carry forward. All right, welcome to Real Estate Hustlers Podcast. I am your host, Josh Appleman, founder and CEO of Appleman Properties. Today, we are joined with Don Spafford, finance and investing expert at Beyonder Holdings, seasoned in multifamily and RV resort projects, committed to family man and strong ethics. Don, we appreciate you coming on the show today. If you could let the listeners know a little bit more about yourself. Yeah, thanks, Josh. I appreciate that. Thanks for the, the warm uh, intro there. Uh, yeah, so a little bit about myself. Uh, uh, currently, I live in Idaho Falls, Idaho. Uh, for those that don't know, that's East Idaho. We're about an hour and a half or maybe two hours from, from Yellowstone Park. So it's a great, great area. Um, but I grew up most of my life around Omaha, Nebraska. So that's kind of where uh, I really say where I'm from is, is the Omaha area. Um, you know, grew up there in the shadow of Warren Buffett. It's always given me a, a very curious interest in learning about uh, investing and uh, the power of money and all that kind of stuff. So that's kind of where I kind of started that path and, and uh, wanted to become like a, a you know financial advisor, uh, you know, portfolio manager, somehow be involved with investing. And, and uh, I've been following stock investing since I was like probably 13, 14 years old, um, back when, you know, I had to read them in the newspapers. Um, but uh, it was, uh, you know, that kind of what gave me that, that foundation of wanting to know how money works and, and make money work for me. Um, and, uh, you know, I did pursue a degree in that and, uh, you know, the, the 2008 market crash kind of had given me a, uh, maybe a different shift in the, my mindset about what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, a bit later from there, it's kind of where I, I took the direction of getting to real estate. Uh, so still involved with investing and, and, and finance and money, but just with something that, uh, you know, I feel I have a little bit more control over than stocks. Probably a lot more gratifying too. You can <laughs> actually go out, uh, see, feel and touch what you've, what yeah. you've got going on. And, uh, like you said, a lot more control. So for sure. Um, so you've got, uh, you're definitely expert as far as, uh, looking at markets, market analysis and seeing trends. Um, can you tell us a little bit how that correlates with, uh, with investing and finding the right spots and, um, investment returns and all that good stuff? Well, sure. Yeah. Well, I, I definitely would not ever qualify myself as an expert uh, in it by any means ever. Um, you know, I try, <laughs> try to keep myself a bit humble and know that, uh, I, I don't know everything. Um, but, <clears throat> but yeah, there's definitely, uh, um, uh, you know, having that kind of a, a, a financial background and understanding definitely helps. It's something that can carry over into, into real estate and other other aspects as well. But um, you know, it, it's it's kind of strange though. You know, there's there's as much as you know we feel we know about where things are heading and what's going on and what you know all that. At the same time, you know, things can change overnight. You know, like you know, even a few years ago uh, with the pandemic, it looked like everything was going to tank and overnight the government said, Hey, we're going to send out money to everybody. And then everything just kind of turned around and came back up. And, uh, you know, people that got scared and jumped out in a fire sale, you know, regretted it later. Um, but, um, you know, yeah, based on the, you know, the current trends, I guess I'd say is, um, the speaking in, in about real estate anyway, um, the markets are still, you know, pretty strong, at least in my area and the areas I, I, I see is that, uh, yeah, it's been a bit tough in the last uh, couple of years as interest rates have kept going up. Um, but you know, overall, it doesn't actually reduce the demand. You know, people are still in need of uh, of housing. For, you know, for example, uh, there's still around my area lots of construction still going on, lots of new apartments and houses being built. Um, you know, people are still going out and having a good time and and spending money, uh, especially this time of year, obviously. 
uh, you know, as we're here, you know, around Christmas now, but, um, but there's still at the same time, a little bit of fear. I mean, people are, as far as investors, uh, are still a bit, uh, fearful and skeptical. There could still be a recession. There still could be things that go wrong. Uh, you know, all these high interest rates may end up catching up in the end and, and hurting people, which we of course have seen that in this, this year with a lot of, uh, multifamily assets being foreclosed on, um, you know, people had bought in the previous couple of years and maybe overpaid for them at the time, expecting rates to stay low forever. Um, you know, we're definitely caught off guard, I think. Um, so, so with that, I mean, it's, it's, you know, like, like given the, uh, the standard, uh, you know, like a attorney type of answer, it's like, you know, it, it depends. There's lots of things that could go one way or the other, um, that, uh, we may still not have much control. I mean, the government you know, could overnight say, you know what, we're going to drop interest rates and, uh, you know, make things affordable again for everybody. So that could have a you know huge change on, on everything. So, uh, but based on the current situation, you know, I don't expect that to happen, you know, anytime soon. Um, but uh, I do think interest rates are probably going to remain stable for, for a bit here and, and possibly lower a little bit in the next year. Um, definitely not back down to like twos or threes uh, any, anytime soon, if ever. Um, but, you know, as long as people are, are doing their underwriting in, in the uh, reasonable sense and using those numbers as uh, expectations, uh, then uh, and making their offers based on on that and at a, a point that that you know makes sense and not just uh, you know assuming everything's going to go up forever, then uh, then they should be okay. You know, look, look at the numbers and uh, if 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 everything looks good as far as cash flow and overall returns, without you know just uh, some unreasonable expectations, then then uh, things should work out well. And and uh, that goes for even home buyers as well. I mean, uh, if you can uh, afford the house payments, then yeah, buy a house because you know they're still just proven over the last. 20, 30 years, the next 20, 30 years, you know, how, how, you know, housing prices are still going to be going up. I'd expect. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, uh, there, there's a lot of, of, uh, speculation out on the, uh, in the marketplace about where interest rates are, are heading are going. And ultimately no one knows besides, uh, say Jerome yeah. Powell at this point, but <laughs> there's a, like a fed watch tool that we keep a, a, an eye on just to see where the, uh, uh, where the markets are heading. There's like a 93%, uh, chance that they're saying like in march we're going to see possible uh, 25 basis point reduction which yeah who knows there uh, it's yeah. all speculation it's all there's also a, a report by ebs that was that was put out two weeks ago uh saying that um, their data is pointing towards like a 275 basis point reduction by a uh, third quarter of next year so it's that would have to be like a black swan event for um uh, something to happen, but yeah, we're going into an election year, so who knows? Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that that has a factor too, for sure. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, let's get to uh, to RV parks. Let's um, let's talk about the the why and then where you see it heading. Sure. Yeah. Um, so just to give a little bit of clarification, you know, when uh, I personally don't like to use the term RV park because that <laughs> comes up with a a different type of of uh, imagine or, or a picture in my mind at least. Um, so I use the term RV resorts, you know, RV okay. campgrounds. I like That's that. kind of more the, the, the assets we buy. Because uh, for me, the RV park kind of more falls in line with like a trailer park, mobile home park kind of feel. Uh, whereas what we purchase with Beyonder Holdings are, uh, you know, basically short-term stay type properties. You know, the RV okay. resorts where people go and have a great time and they go home. So people don't live there long-term typically. So, it's the experience. Um, so that's what we uh, that's what we are in. Exactly. We're, we're offering this experience for people to come and enjoy themselves. Um, so what drew me to this, uh, you know, maybe I guess two, two and a half or so years ago is that uh, I was myself uh, starting coming from a multifamily background. And um, for me, my, my goal was always cash flow. I, I needed to have cash flow from day one. And uh, preferably a, a, a sizable amount. I didn't want just minimal, you know, barely getting by, you know, two, three percent cash flow. I wanted some 
you know, high numbers, you know, 10% double digit um, type of cash on cash returns. Uh, that's kind of where I started with when I started buying fourplexes, uh, I guess uh, seven years ago or so now um, that, uh, you know, I wanted to make sure that uh, they cash flowed because I was trying to um, create that passive income so I could leave my job was my goal really. Um, or at very least have additional income to cover our family's needs and expenses. Should something happen to me, if I get injured or, or sick and can't work. Um, and so, as I was, uh, you know, getting into now more commercial real estate, multifamily type of assets, um, that was still always my goal. I still want to make sure I got cash flow. Uh, and uh, and coming out of the pandemic, um, it seems like people just went crazy when we're just out, you know, buying everything left and right, uh, you know, offering way over asking price just to get, you know, a quote unquote deal, uh, which in the end, you know, really from my my perspective, uh, affected those cash flows. I was like, well, you know, these these cash flows are relatively not that great for, for, for most of the deals I was seeing anyway, uh, they were, you know, low digit, you know, maybe four to 6% cash on cash typically, um, which did not get me excited, honestly. And then, so I was like, there, there's gotta be something else out there. There's gotta be something else that was still offering great returns overall I can find. Um, and <clears throat> at this time I was working, uh, working from home. I've been working for a, a company for almost 20 years, um, that, uh, you know, is involved with, with, uh, you know, the financial markets really. But while I was working from home, I would uh, be listening to podcasts all day long, just like this one. Uh, and one day I heard on a podcast, somebody else talk about these RV campgrounds and the types of uh, returns they can get, the multiple income streams they provide. So that's kind of really what piqued my interest and got me one to learn more uh, and started researching, going to webinars and, and just connecting people that are in that space. Because I was like, hey, I, I got to I gotta understand this. Um, it seemed to make sense to me just because of obviously where I'm at here close to Yellowstone. It's a big camping area anyway. Um, so I was like, well, if I can invest in this, great. But if I can even possibly get my foot in the door and become a part of one, even better. Uh, there's got to be somebody that wants to buy a campground near Yellowstone. So I could, uh, you know, get out there and try to help market that and be their boots on the ground, the, the local person whatnot. So that was my first objective, just to, to, you know, find a way to get in a deal, really. And as I was connecting with different people and, and uh, again, learning more about it, just understanding it better, um, I, I uh, you know, one day through a, a uh, I guess, online uh, conversation. I don't know if it was on LinkedIn or, or bigger pockets or somewhere, but, um, uh, I got connected with, with a couple guys that just bought their first property. Um, and we're looking to grow a team and expand and do more. And so we got in a call and started talking about, uh, what, uh, what their vision and, and goals were, what my goals were. Um, and that, you know, everything seemed to align and that's kind of how I, you know, joined up with, with Beyonder Holdings. Um, but uh, again, what really attracted me to the space initially was just the, the, the returns I was seeing. I was, you know, again, not from just one source, but now multiple sources, that podcast and these guys I was talking to and other people I was connecting with, uh, seeing that, that these double digit cash on cash were possible. Um, and uh, you know, above that, you're getting these just overall higher returns. Um, and, uh, that, so they got me excited. I was like, I want to, I gotta, I gotta learn this. I gotta understand it. And I wanted to for sure invest in it. Uh, then I got lucky enough to be involved with it. So that's kind of how it all kind of came about. And, um, and we can, you know, of course, dive deeper into that here in, in a minute. I'm sure if uh, you got some questions. Yeah, for sure. Well, tell us about the, um, uh, about the resorts. Tell us what they're made up of. Um, do you all purchase the RVs and put them in the, uh, the lot or the, are they, I, I guess, paint the picture for us if you could yeah. listeners. For sure, yeah. So, so no, we do not. We do not buy the RVs. Um, we purchase the actual the, the land, the campground itself that has all the RV spots, um, such as the, your RV pads and uh, you know other amenities that are on site. Um, so we own the the the, the property. People like yourself, you know, you maybe you own an RV or or just want to get out and go have fun, go play at the lake or something. 
you can uh, come to the property, rent a, a cabin, because most of our properties have cabins with their short-term rental or, or glamping options as well. But uh, but for the RVers, you can, uh, most cases, most RVers will know, <laughs> you pretty much have to make your reservation way, way in advance. Um, most cases, you're going to be filled every weekend to even try to expect to just pull in and get a spot. So, uh, but assuming you made a reservation right ahead of time, you can pull in, uh, park it there, plug in, get all your utilities, water, sewer, uh, electric, um, and then just you know, hang out there for the weekend or the week or however long you're, you're planning to stay, use all the amenities, you know, go, you know, rent a boat, go boating, uh, you know, rent a, a golf cart and drive around the property, you know, come out to one of our concerts that might be going on, um, all these different activities that are just there to have fun with and enjoy. And then when you're done, you just uh, unplug it all and you, you drive out and either go home or go on to your next destination where you're, you're traveling. You know, there's plenty of full-time RVers who just travel the country all year long. Um, but uh, that's kind of what we offer. Just this great place to come and hang out and have fun. Um, and then, you know, go on your way and go back to wherever else you're going to. Okay. Got it. And then, so tell us on the, uh, on the operator side, what does that consist of as far as, um, you've got boat rental, you've got, um, you've got, I guess maintenance would be maybe just upkeep. So killing weeds and un, un, let's talk about, about what it takes to operate yeah, the thing. For sure. Yeah. Well, in, in this sense, you know, of course, being this, uh, um, destination, you know, experience type of campground, right. There's, it is very much labor intensive. Uh, it's not as simply just, you know, hiring your property manager and, you know, making sure everybody pays the rent on time and nothing much else. Right. Uh, we have a full staff that's on site on these properties, people that run the the camp store, uh, you know, possibly the boat rentals, maybe a, a little, uh, you know, bar and grill kind of thing. Um, some of our properties have hotels and, and other things on them as well. Uh, there may be a restaurant, but we typically don't want to run. We don't want to run the restaurant. We're not in the restaurant business. We'll just rent out that space to a local restaurateur who operates it, right? But uh, we do have something that have a small bar and grill. We can operate that. But uh, but yeah. So so overall, that that uh, yeah, it's very much labor intensive. The operations are is very intensive. Um, we have uh, you know, so that's one of our biggest expenses, just the 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 you know employee staff costs uh, as well as insurance. Um, you know, as far as insurance goes, I mean. I know a lot of people that are in the multifamily space that try to get the cheapest insurance you could possibly get uh, to keep your expenses low. Uh, for for us, you know, we want to make sure we have the greatest, best coverage we can get. You know, and that obviously comes at a cost um, because you know people are at risk, and there is uh, a risk somebody could get could drown or get run over or somehow get uh, injured or, or killed on the property. So we want to make sure we're we're very much covered for any of those types of you know situations. Um, not that I hope we'd expect that to ever happen, obviously, but uh, you know it's, it's always a, a possibility. Um, so, so yeah, so we're, we're very much, uh, on the operation side, we have our own management company, uh, beyond a camp that manages our properties. We also do manage other third party campgrounds as well. So, uh, that's kind of a whole, uh, you know, inline system that, uh, we offer that resource for other campground owners. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we, we oversee all of our properties and then, uh, you know, are, are in constant contact with our general managers that are on site managing those properties, uh, who then oversee their, their staff, uh, at each property as well. So on the uh, on the insurance front, could uh, do you all have each person that that owns an RV? Do you have like a blanket policy or, or something that can come in to kind of limit your all's exposure as well? Um, that's a great question. I, I honestly don't know the answer to that question. Um, I'm, I'm not <laughs> involved in that part of it, but I'm thinking like like multifamily. Um, we have tenants that have it's requirement for tenants right, to have insurance, insurance, well. insurance, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, obviously the, the people on their RVs are going to have their own insurance for their RV, right? So in case they have uh, you know, a tornado or something that damaged their RV. Um, so I assume that that more or less would be sort of like that. Obviously, we're not going to require someone to get insurance for the weekend they're there to cover their spot. Um, seems like, a, like if you go to rent a, an Airbnb, you're not going to you know, require to get insurance for that weekend you're there. 
but uh, yeah, each, each person would have their own insurance anyway. It's, it's, a, it's a vehicle on the road. It's going to have insurance on it. <clears throat> so they're insured personally for their vehicle uh, or their, uh, you know, their RV. Um, but uh, but above that, yeah, there would not be, I don't think, any other insurance that they were required to, to pay to come and stay there. There, that might, there might be a value-add component there. Um, just yeah, I mean, little, little nuggets because Airbnb, uh, there are some hosts that require the um, – the, uh, the guests to take out to put a deposit on for uh, for possible damages um, yeah. or click a button and, and do uh, small uh, an insurance which is reimbursable um, but those and there's always new things that pop up in every industry <laughs> just like that yeah. because yeah. now it's another carrot on the stick type of deal but sure uh, that that could be a value add and that's kind of, kind of leads to what I wanted to get to so say you buy the land what are some value adds that yeah. you all go and deploy <laughs> for your investors to create the property more valuable to do a refinance if you all do them or a, or a, or a disposition. Sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, and yeah, and thanks. That's a great idea worth worth looking into for that uh, you know, insurance. So we'll, we'll check that out. Um, but uh, yeah, for, for the value add, so again, the, all the properties we purchase with our investors are value add still, right? We, you know, we don't just buy a turnkey property, which we could do and it would operate fine. But we're, of course, looking for even higher returns to give back to our investors. So uh, a big component of our value add is expansion. We want to find, a, first of all, a great property that's already operating well, just maybe not uh, to its full efficiency that could, because you know these are mom and pop owners typically, so they, they have limited resources maybe. Um, but uh, if it's a great property, a great location, uh, we see that there's demand there. We'll expand it out, add on more RV sites, uh, add on more amenities, uh, you know, just general improvements as well. Maybe, you know, improving the 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 actual you know the RV pads themselves, make them nicer, uh, putting in possibly a, a private um, you know like fenced in pet area. Um, uh, you know, possibly a fire pit, uh, you know, you know a little picnic area, all kind of private things that make it like a more of a, a higher end kind of a re, you know, resort type of feel. Um, but uh, yeah, the biggest thing is we the expansion and the, the amenities are, are, are two of the biggest things we want to add on. Uh, besides just the general improvements, making it look nicer, make the bathrooms clean and neat, uh, bringing in good, strong Wi-Fi, which we offer for free as a free amenity to our investors or sorry, to our, our guests, uh, because that is <clears throat> an essential thing to have these days. Um, wasn't so much in the past, but today it's it's what we call like the fourth hookup. You know, you got your water, uh, electric, and, and sewer, but you know, Wi-Fi is also a, a, a necessity these days. A lot of people yeah. that work from home or work remotely from their RV, so uh, that is a requirement. So we we offer that for free to our guests. Uh, I know some other campgrounds charge for, for that, but we don't. Um, but uh, you know, and then then you know, again, on top of that, there's there's just a uh, you know, the, the almost the, the sky is the limit as far as what you can do with the campground. You know, whatever you can think of uh, is something you could add to add on and bring in is likely something that would still work and, and make money. You know, just even so, so if you have a, if you have a small pond or something, you can still bring in like some kayaks or paddle boards and just rent those out. And, and uh, you know, those will do great to bring us additional revenue as well. Um, you know, we, we, we find ways there's many mom and pop owners that for example, will close down their campground during winter. Um, so it's like in a winter state that gets, you know, cold and snow. Um, we still, for the most part, yeah, the most of it will still close down, but we can still find a way to, uh, operate it. You know, we can we can winterize some of those sites and bring in your seasonal campers that just want a place to stay even during winter. Um, that, for example, like like going skiing or ice fishing or you know whatever else they're out doing, or even just your traveling nurses, some a place to stay. So we can winterize those spots and bring in seasonal campers to stay during those winter months where mom and pop owner just would close it down completely. Um, and there's even, in fact, there's been a few that we've purchased where uh, those mom and pop owners would close it down and just let people store their boats and RVs there for free during that 
season. Well, you know, of course, we'll charge now. <laughs> we can charge for those people that want to store uh, their their boats and RVs in, in there. Nice. So that brings additional revenue. Uh, we also bring in a lot of reservations for the upcoming season during that time. Um, so different things that we can, we can implement still to bring in new revenue that was otherwise not there previously. I was talking to, um, I think it was another operator. It's probably, it's probably last year, but they have, uh, I think they use like probably a, a white labeled app, but they, um, the um, uh, guest is able to actually get firewood on mm-hmm. to deliver to their, uh, their other uh, spot, like on demand. So it's, yeah. uh, it's different. It's cool to hear that. And uh, it's another revenue stream. Cause that's, that's what I like to hear is how many revenue streams does this thing have? Cause ultimately it all, right. it all um, hits the NOI. Exactly. Um, what what do you all look like as far as like maybe um, I guess the delta from what you all have taken, say mom and pops to where you all can push it? Like, how big of a, a spread are you looking at? Yeah, it's I mean it, it's going to vary uh, by property, obviously depending on what's what possibilities are there. Um, you know, and, and and I'll say some of these are I consider you know mom and pop are still you know under like a, a major franchise. Like we've purchased several properties from from KOA and from the Jellystones that are out there. That are still mom and pop owned property, but they just have the franchise model from those other companies. Um, and you know, being that with the, with the franchise, you know, they they offer help to bring in you know people with the branding, but they don't really do much else beyond that to really provide resources to to build it out like they'd like to do. Um, so, for example, when we just actually purchased this last uh, September, <clears throat> amazing property in a great location. It's it's uh, about double what normal average occupancy is in a campground. So very very high demand property. Um, they just never had the resources to do much more with it. Uh, and so this one is gives, gives us pretty much potential to, uh, possibly quadruple the size of the property based off the, the number of spaces available to build out more RV sites, uh, add in a, a, a marina with boat docks that, uh, was not currently there, even though they're on a big lake, um, nice. bring in, uh, uh, you know, aqua parks and other things that are, are just, you know, pretty much a necessity to really have there that just is not there. Uh, the other big thing there as well is, is, is food. There's not uh, this property. They don't have any type of food offering. So people have to either bring their own, like a picnic or drive back, you know, half hour or so to, to get it from somewhere else. So things like that, we can, we can say, okay, we can provide those solutions. We can provide uh, all these things that are going to make this place just uh, just killer. And, and it's going to completely, you know, blow the current numbers out of the water, even though it's already at you know high demand as it is. Um, it, it could just be so much better uh, by, by bringing in those resources that, you know, our investors can provide uh, by having that, that uh, those, those funds available to do all that. Um, so, yeah, so this one, you know, for example, it, it already does well. And I, I don't know the numbers off the top of my head, but I want to say uh, probably about, uh, you know, a million, million and a half currently for the property that's already been doing it on its own. Um, so we project that, of course, to be, you know, way, way more than that, probably four or times more than that or so. Um, typically on our average property, what we're looking for, for the, you know, makes it a, a potential deal for us to bring to our investors is, is first of all, of course, the cash flow. We're looking for that double digit, you know, 12 to 15% cash on cash is kind of the average we, we target for a five-year hold. Um, but we're also looking for like a two and a half to three X equity multiple. So we can, again, do those expansion items, do the things to improve it, to increase that revenue, increase the value. Um, and, uh, the other great thing that, uh, honestly is that, you know, you wouldn't expect, you know, I, even myself, when I first got involved, I didn't even have any clue. Uh, is that the depreciation typically it can be much higher for campgrounds than than uh, for other assets? I would not, um, yeah, I would not know that. Can you can you yeah. get into what what that looks like? That's that's incredible. Sure, sure, I can definitely do that. Um, and so again, I, I'm just just I'll say I'm I'm no expert on this. I'm not uh, you know a tax advisor, CPA, but but uh, from what I understand anyway, right? When you do a cost segregation study, um, to therefore get that accelerated depreciation, 
um, you know, initially myself, again, I, it's like, like most people think, oh, it's mostly land. What's there to depreciate? You don't have money yeah. buildings and whatnot. Uh, but when you think about it on, on a typical RV campground, you've got a lot of infrastructure, all these roads that kind of connect everywhere in between. You've got all your, uh, your uh, pedestals in each site, you know, where your people connect through utilities. Um, so all those things, and then of course some buildings and, and your, your showers and laundry and that kind of stuff, um, all that stuff. And especially if you get like, uh, you know, a marina with boat docks as well, boat slips, um, almost all those items fall under that accelerated depreciated category. So, uh, so instead of having your, your 30 year, and I could be wrong with, with this category, sorry, your 30 year, which does not give this accelerated depreciation. Then you've got your other, I think it's a 15, 10, maybe five year. Um, so on, on a typical campground, you know, obviously the land does not depreciate. So we'll take out maybe say 10 to 20% of the value for the land, but uh, almost everything else is typically going to fall into that accelerated depreciation category. So you get a huge upfront year one depreciation. Um, you know, for example, last year in 2022, uh, we closed on a property that gave back on the investor K1s a 222% depreciation that uh, that the investors received, um, which, uh, you know, is, is, is fantastic. And uh, I myself participated in that. I sold a couple of properties I had that year and just reinvested it all into our deal to get that as well. Uh, not even expecting I was going to get that much, but you know, luckily we did. Uh, obviously, this year, 2023, that 100% bonus depreciation goes down to 80%. Next year's down to 60%. So, um, the the sooner you get in, the, the better. Because the great thing about depreciation is that if you can't use it all in the year that you have it, it carries forward uh, indefinitely until it's all used up. So, uh, I've been encouraging people to you know invest now this year at the 80% just to get that additional depreciation, have it available in case you need it next year or the year after, um, just to, to carry it forward. That's phenomenal. Yeah, and that, that's the name of the game. Truly, is is uh, protecting your capital and um, and uh, defer, 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 and ultimately die. That's the, that's the game, but it is what it is. Yeah, 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 for sure. Uh, I'll, I'll add as well that uh, you know, since this is, is live, we're, <laughs> those are listening uh, tomorrow night. Actually, on uh, December fifth. Uh, we are hosting a live webinar, which we have our tax advisor coming on explaining exactly nice. that. He'll 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 you know have the expert actually explain how that depreciation works and use that 222% property as a uh, case study to go over all that as well. Now, do you all uh, utilize like a renovation budget to possibly capture like bonus depreciation as well? Uh, yeah. So anytime we have something where yeah we we tear down uh, or or replace uh, some old buildings or or, or you know, whatever, um, then yeah, that, that also gets that depreciation as well, which is also a, a great benefit. I forget that the word where that's called it, but, uh, but yeah, those, those, those can, anytime you, you remove something, even if it's like just an old shack, you never plan to use, you can depreciate that, that value as well. Yeah. Yeah. Bonus it off and, um, that's still around. So that, that helps. I mean, it all goes to the, uh, the greater cause, keep the, uh, that's right. keep more of your cash and, and reinvest it, redeploy it. Yeah. Um, so you had mentioned what your investors can expect, uh, 12 to 15 cash on cash, um, 2.5 to 3x. That's incredible. And that's uh, within a five-year hold. Is that right? Correct. Yes. And then you all are, are your strategy is uh, to refi and then go into long term or disposition and then uh, find a new, um, go into a new, new spot and do the value add. Right. So, so our goal in the next 10 years, we, we want to hold uh, at least 100 properties, right? So we're looking to purchase about 10 per year in the next 10 years. Um, so as we go through uh, each of these, these, these five-year period, right? That at the end of that, uh, we would either, uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily want to dis dispose the property. We, again, we want to hold them, not just to sell them all off. Um, but our, our investors do typically like to be paid out and be out in five years to get their money to reinvest and keep doing things. So uh, we plan to either, uh, you know, refinance or, or, uh, some other type of, of uh, you know asset purchase through another entity of ours to to uh, be able to 
uh, pr provide that return back to our investors and then still hold the property going forward long term. Got it. Yeah, that makes sense. That way it's uh, it's the overall overarching uh, play. That's very cool. Um, wow. You guys have done uh, extraordinary growth too here within the past couple of years, just getting into space and then finding out um, all the capabilities that space offers. Um, that's incredible. What is a, a learning lesson that you've uh, you've had so far? Um, let's see, probably, I mean, there's, there's I'd say if, one is for sure just uh, the, the working with the sellers. I mean, obviously in most cases, mom and pop owners, as you'd expect, don't really have great bookkeeping and things. Right. But, um, but with them, there's also great potential, uh, but also, <laughs> uh, possibly not. So, uh, we, we always offer, of course, with our, with the, the people we're buying from, it's like, Hey, if you want to you know, again, saving your taxes, you can always reinvest back with us, keep your money working for you, still create that income, but also then get that depreciation to offset your your tax bill you're going to get hit with by selling this property. Um, and uh, in some cases that, that works out great and they're, they, they're happy to do that. Um, other cases, uh, in fact, this was, this was, you know, very early on when I first came on the team and we had a, a very large property we were trying to purchase in Florida uh, where the, uh, the owner was planning to reinvest a large amount, which would have been uh, I think probably more than half of what our uh, raise was going to be needed for. Um, and uh, this property we were purchasing probably about half the actual value of it, which was, was amazing. But um, as, as time went on, this, 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 uh, the seller uh, was able to come to our webinar and see our, our documents and things, realized the potential that was there that, uh, you know, he was missing out on, I guess, <laughs> and kind of had a change of heart. He, he realized that uh, he could probably sell us for a lot more, uh, and, uh, decide to pull out his investment. So that kind of left us hanging. It's like, well, now we've got like a couple weeks left to refill his like, you know, five or 6 million that he was putting in there, uh, which kind of really put us you know, against a wall, uh, so much to the point where we, we had to just back out, you know, we had to w withdraw and, uh, you know, save our earnest money. Cause we didn't feel we'd be able to get the, the amount raised to, to close it in time. Uh, and then a few weeks later, he went and, and re listed it with a broker for like, again, about double what we had it under contract for. <clears throat> so, so we learned from that is that, uh, you know, early on, at least, yes, we want to have those those uh, sellers reinvest with us, but uh, we try to keep them out of our plans for their property, at least until after we've closed on it. Um, and then say, hey, you can still reinvest with our in our next deal or, or you know, whatever to still get those, those great returns and, and uh, save your taxes. But we try to withhold our plans for the property. Um, until after closing, because otherwise they may like, you know, have, have some kind of uh, thoughts that they could go back and do something different that uh, they didn't think. Yeah. Of. So, um, so yeah, just to, to not put us in a bad situation again, where we have to walk away. Um, we try to keep them out of, of uh, that information. Yeah. And that's just, that's just what, that's, that's the industry. It's really going into <laughs> multifamily and you know what you can do with it. You know, really any asset class, it's just uh, once you give away that information, now it becomes way more valuable in the eye of the beholder. So it's, yeah, uh, I totally agree with you on that. Um, very cool. And then uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you and learn more about yourself, possibly invest, how can they get uh, reach out? Sure. Well, you, you can definitely reach me by my email, uh, Don at beyondercamp.com. Um, I'm also very active on LinkedIn uh, or, or Facebook. So you can definitely reach out and find me there. Uh, I'd be happy to connect and, and uh, you know schedule a call. I'm, I'm always willing and open to to talk to you know, you know curious people, investors, whichever. Um, don't don't feel like you're wasting my time. Uh, I just like meeting new people and and uh, sharing what I, what I can to help others. Awesome, Don. We definitely appreciate you coming on today, and I'm I'm looking forward to following you all and watching the growth. Uh, we will certainly talk soon. Thank you. All right, thank you very much.